Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. Pastor Josh is going to pray for us as we get started. I'm going to start, and then he's going to wrap up and lead us into uh, a time of worshiping the Lord with our our final three songs just as a response to him. So I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for no coincidences, God, that every soul and every human in this room this morning, God, is here for a purpose that you have divinely appointed, God. I pray, Lord, that you speak through Scott this morning, that you speak through me. We thank you, God, that you've given us the opportunity to share your word. Lord, I pray, Lord, that, um, that you be in this room and find us this morning, God. We love you, Jesus, and we need you, and we can't live without you. Amen. Amen. Enjoy your sweet tea. So today we're looking, as we, we look at great, the different character traits of God and Josh and I are share, we're going to be looking at the goodness of God. And as I was preparing this, this past couple of weeks and just reading through scripture, I, I found myself, you know, we all have uh, TV shows that we, we binge watch or whatever we know kind of what that is, or, or some of you, maybe TV's not your thing, maybe you, you binge read or something. I, I found myself like binge reading the, the Bible this week, which you'd think would be like normal for a pastor, but um, I'm just reading story after story and I'm just so enthralled. I'm like, it's so good. Oh, you're so good. Can you get any better? Oh, you get better. Oh, you get better. And, and I was like, the word is so good. And I felt like the Lord said, because I am, it's me. And, and so I felt like he, he gave, gave me a bunch of scriptures. And so today for my part, there's going to be no, nothing on the screen as far as uh, passages or words or anything. I just want you to hear the different things I, I feel like the Lord put on our heart today for, for you to hear about his goodness. And, the, and then Pastor Josh is going to come up and, and, and bring us home with that. But but as we look at the, the goodness of God, uh, this journey that we'll never, we'll never fully a- arrive at understanding, you know, his, his goodness transcends how we feel in the moment. Although how you feel matters, he's a good, good father, but, but it transcends how we feel in the moment because it's not about my feelings, it's about his glory and ultimately the good he wants to bring from it and then the good he wants to give me and, and, and to give you. And his goodness is still good, even when I don't get the outcome that I'm thinking of as I define good, whatever that is in that moment, in that setting, in that relationship, in that, in that thing I'm, I'm walking through. Psalm 66, verse 8. And if you'd like, to, because we're not going to have anything on screen, you can either write down the passage I'm going to read, or you can just text me or email me later, and I'll send you the ones that I read today. But the psalmist writes, let the whole world bless our God and loudly sing his praises. Our lives are in his hands and he keeps our feet from stumbling. You've tested us, O God. You've purified us like like silver. You captured us in your net and you laid a burden of slavery on our backs. It doesn't sound so good. Then you put a leader over us. And when they say that, then I'm talking about a great one. We went through fire and flood and you brought us to a place of great abundance. You see, his good heart is always working to better us, even in the fiery times that we walk through. Peter writes about that in 1 Peter 5, verse 7. He says, let God have all your worries and cares. Anybody got worries or cares right now? Right? For your life, for someone you love, for a situation, a setting, 
the world you live in, the kids you're raising in the world you live in. Let him have all of them, for he's always thinking about you and watching everything that concerns you. Yeah, but God, that time, I know. Well, what about that time? Yeah, everything that concerns you, I'm watching and I care. Psalm 31, 9. Beautiful passage. How great is the goodness you have stored up for those who fear you. Not those who call you God, not those who say you're God, not those who go to church, although that could be a part of it. Those who fear you, those who revere you, honor you, live according to this, love others according to this and the love that, that is in them by the power of the Holy Spirit. That goodness is stored up for you who fear him. You, God, lavish it on those who come to you for protection, blessing them before the watching world. A couple questions I felt he gave for us to really wrestle with today. And maybe this wrestling needs to culminate during our time of worship. Maybe, maybe you need to go home later and, and walk this through. Maybe you need to come to Cultivate tonight at, at 5.30 and, and, and unpack this a little more with a smaller group of people who are walking this through. But, but these questions I felt like the Lord gave us today to, to wrestle with and, and grapple with. Do I trust Him, His goodness, and His plan for me? Yeah, of course I do. You're God. What about this setting? Yeah, well, do I trust him? Do you really believe his desire is to bless you with only good? Because those are two big questions that we need to wrestle with in life all the time, but maybe you're there right now. I know as I was thinking about it and, and, and I was... I was praying about it and those questions, I wrote them on my whiteboard in my office and I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, what about when this happens, Scott? Well, well, it's hard. I mean, uh, just a couple of years ago, I went through the most difficult time in the last 17 years of my life. And I remember just going, why, why does that, like if you're good, why do you let this happen? The same question every human on the planet wrestles with in some way, in some form, in some, at some time in their life. If you really are that good, why? The world launches it at us all the time, right? If he's really that good of a God, why is there hell? Which is, you know, that, if they don't believe in God, well, that's, that's, we can't, like, you know, do this with them. If they're a believer, we walk stuff through, but... It's an understandable thing in our human condition. Number one, we're questioners. And, and God made us that way to, to talk and ask and learn. But when the, the flesh is in charge, we, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of asking accusatory questions or maybe it's just pain questions. But he wants us to not just go, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just never going to think about it. I'll say, I'll say yes, yes, yes to other people, but I'm really going to just be hurt on the inside and never get over it because heaven's coming. He doesn't want that to be our existence. We were set free to live a free life here. A free life in eternity is guaranteed. He also says you're, you're set free to live a free life here. So if I'm saying, yes, 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 I believe you're good on the outside, but on the inside I'm going, 
what gives? Why do you do this? I don't know if I believe this about me. You do this for all of them and that person gets over cancer and, and that person's marriage gets restored and, 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 and that person's kids come back to Jesus and, and, and that person's dad uh, starts loving them right. And, but me? Those are good wrestling questions and it's okay to wrestle. You know that a good father is okay with his kids wrestling forward in life? <laughs> like okay walking through those things? Peter talks about in 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 5 through 7 how there will be a day when all this is, is wiped away and, and eternity, we're not dealing with any of this stuff. But, but he also tells us, hey, until that day for eternity... He'll, he'll preserve you and watch over you and care for you here. There's, there's amazingly good stuff happening here because he can't do anything but give us good. He says, through your faith, God's protecting you by his power until, until that day. Through your faith, your trust, your belief, your life lived out, loving God and loving others. Through your faith, he's protecting you until that day you do get to receive that. I get to receive that forever in, in eternity. He says, so be truly glad. There's wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. Yeah, there's your catch. There's your hook. There's always a catch, isn't there? We struggle with those things. It's understandable. But struggle in Jesus' presence and struggle in the presence of a good father. Don't hide yourself in a corner and get bitter. He's okay with questions that you're asking him because you're with him. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, I don't want many trials, God. <laughs> I don't. Does anybody want a trial? No. Does everybody get trials? Yes. I want the religion when there's no trials. Yeah, it don't exist. Those are religions that are man-made. They're a trial on their own. We have a relationship and we still have trials. But when our faith remains strong through them, it'll bring much praise and glory and honor. You see, there's an end goal. There will be a day. He keeps you now, even in the midst of all this trouble and mess and pain and natural growth that comes from, from living a life of faith in Him. That... that when the stuff of life happens and it's, it's good, bad, or maybe sometimes indifferent, he, he's there walking us through that and he keeps us and protects us. It's why Jesus tells us the super secret of how to remain fruitful in John 15. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. This is Jesus talking. It's red letter in some of your Bibles. For a branch can't produce fruit, it can't have good come from it if it's severed from the vine. And, and you can't be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much goodness. Fruit will come from you. Apart from me, you, you can do nothing. He's saying, I'm the only God there is. And I want you with me. I want you connected to me. I mean, isn't that good of him? He's God. He's good. We got our issues. We actually rebelled against him. And he says, I want you. I want you. 
because the only way you can have anything fruitful happen in your life is from me. And I just want to get, I, God's like, I'm fully intact. I don't need what I've got. I am what I've got. I just want you to have my goodness. Stay with me. Stay in me and my joy will fill your life. So are you in need of some real and enduring joy these days? Anybody? Anybody need some real joy and enduring joy, persevering joy in their life? I mean, some of you really are there and that's not a knock on you. If you're in need, there's one who loves to fill the needs. It's just where you find yourself. If you're in need and you're struggling, you're walking through this, it's where you find yourself. And he's not like, why in the world do you struggle? <laughs> he's the one that tells us trials will come. He just says, come to me and remain in me and I'll take care of you. I'll preserve you. I'll protect you. I'll produce fruit from you. Put yourself in Jesus' capable and really good hands. Paul writes about how, how good God is and what, what that goodness does for us in Romans 2. Verse 4, he says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does it mean nothing to you? Can't you see that His goodness is intended to turn you from your sin? Some of your versions would say His kindness leads you to repentance. An absolute lifestyle change. His good heart towards you is how He saves you. It's how He saves everybody who's saved. His goodness leads to the greatest life-transforming change ever. If we surrender. If we surrender. I can't do it on my own. I have to surrender to Him and what He's doing. And then, and then I'm saved and it's His goodness that leads me there. Yet it's so stinking hard sometimes to, to turn everything over and go... I have to turn it over to your plan and I don't really know where your plan's leading and I don't have any say-so in your plan. You're trustworthy, but I don't know if I trust you. It's that great tension we live in. Your plan's got to be better, but at least my plan is my plan. I've been there. I go there. Sometimes I have to be slapped awake from friends and get out of there. You too. Or maybe you're like, I don't go there. You're there right now. So, uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's hard to trust a plan that's, even though it's his, it's, we, don't, we don't know. We don't know the end of it. Like, is this going to be a plan like Job got? Or is this going to be a plan like that little part of Moses' life when it was all like hunky-dory? It's hard. That's so why Psalm 23 is so powerful about this beautiful, beautiful shepherd we have. We're doing actually a series after this one's over, starting in June on, on the way of the shepherd, looking at Psalm 23 in John chapter 10 and what that means for us and then what it means coming from us. But most of us know Psalm 23 uh, in, in some form or we know parts of it, you know, oh man, green pastures and fresh water and a good shepherd leading me. But right in the middle there it says, even when, dun, 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 even when, even when, some of you are at an even when moment in your life, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Yeah. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Whew. Wow. 
What's your darkest valley? Are you in your darkest valley? Are you in a valley that you're like, I hope this doesn't become the darkest, but it's dark? Even when? You prepare a feast for me. Praise God, I love feasts. I love it, I love it. A feast, okay. In the presence of my enemies. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I like the buffet. I don't want the haters sneering at me. That's hard. You prepare. Why can't you prepare a feast for me in the midst of my best friends? You know why? Because if they love Jesus, they're probably sitting at the same feast table with you. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. And you honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. So why should I fear what lies ahead ever? Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I'll live in the house of the Lord forever. Even when you are there, God. Most of us, we love great stories, books or movies, whatever it is. Uh, the, the, the best ones, whether it's a, a, a comedy or an adventure or a, a really good drama, something deep, most of them have these storylines that, that cause the main character to go through a, a challenging, struggling moment to get to the end that's glorious, right? I mean, if a movie's all pup do puppy dogs and, and, and rainbows and sweet tea, it's like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll tune in, but I won't be drawn in. I don't really care about it. Nobody, nobody makes, no, it's not that easy for anybody, so I'm not really invested or, or connected. Every great true story has it. That's why the best ones are, are written about basically real storylines. Adam and Eve and Abraham and Joseph and Moses and David and Jesus and Paul and Peter and you and me and the next one saved here. It's going to have this trial moment even when the darkest valley's there. You lead me through. Storms of life will always come. We just need to learn to to look to and to hear him in the midst of it. Yep. Don't run or get mad or think that it's all my fault, this is punishment or, or blame or think you've missed the boat. Here's the hard part about storms. Because God's provident, which we're gonna hear from about next week, because he's sovereign, because he's got the end in mind, sometimes he takes us to the storms. Sometimes it's him that takes us through the storm. Sometimes he says, I'm going to take you around the storm. And we're like, I like that answer. <laughs> sometimes he just removes the storm completely. And sometimes he brings the storms to us. And then he says, and you're going to go through it very, very slowly. But I'm covering you as you do. All for purposes that we see and don't see, understand and never understand. But he's good, I tell you. He's good. Trust in him and his goodness. He always comes through for his glory and for your good. We'll never fully understand how good God is or what it completely means. But, but he still wants us to know it, to pursue it, to, 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 to learn about it, to understand it more to be on that journey by knowing him and loving him. And I'm going to wrap up with, with this that the psalmist says as, as Josh makes his way up here. The psalmist writes that he's a safe and powerful place to find refuge, more than enough and always available. Even when things shake or crumble or storms rage, his good heart for us holds us strong 
and the faith we have in him. God is right in the midst of his people. We are secure and never shaken. It's why the psalmist writes in Psalm 46, verse 10, be still and know that I'm God. Pastor Josh. Thank you, Scott. I, am, uh, I just want to let you know I'm honored to be here and to share what God's put on my heart uh, this week. Uh, I've been excited to share about God's goodness. It's been something over the last couple of years, as Scott had mentioned a minute ago, that um, we have to pour into and try to understand. And like he said, I don't know if I'm ever going to understand it. We're ever going to understand God's goodness and the vastness of it. Um, but it's been something that over the last couple of years that God has continued to put on my heart to deepen, go deep in more on. And um, I don't think the, the difference between our definition of what is good and God's definition of what is good is that much different. I actually think the timeline is typically different. Um, we serve a big picture God, like Scott said, who has a purpose well beyond what we can see uh, in our self-absorbed lives a lot of time. And I think a great example of that uh, it was we live in a culture right now that has one day prime shipping. Like I saw that the other day. I think that's been around for a while now. Is that right? One day, which is just insane. You can order something and get it the next day. We live in a culture that wants instant gratification right now. Uh, my wife and I love to watch Netflix series. Before we had kids, we had a lot of time to binge watch. Anybody watch this series and like stays up way too late? A couple of you. Okay, many, many of you. So recently... Um, Kayla and I were recommended to watch a show called uh, Virgin River. Has anybody seen Virgin River? Okay, all right, all right, a lot of y'all. And um, I remember a lot of my friends were recommending this, this series, and a lot of my guy friends were recommending this series. So I went and went on Netflix and looked, watched the preview, and it's like a love story. In the preview, I'm just like, I don't want to watch this. <laughs> and, uh, and I remember my guy friends telling me that you just have to get through the first season. Just have to get... How many has said that to someone when you're recommending a Netflix series? You just got to get through the first couple seasons, then it gets good. I think, and I remember my response is, man, I don't have time to get through a crappy season of something and get to the good stuff. And I think that is a great example of the culture that we live in. We don't want to get through a not good season. We want to get to the good season right away. And God doesn't work like that always, like Scott had said. We serve a big picture God. Uh, a couple of years ago, my wife and I, we, there was a couple of storylines happening in our lives that really made me kind of dig into God's goodness. And a couple of years ago, we were living in California. My wife and I refinanced our house, and we had an escrow account. And uh, we went through the refinance process, and uh, we get a letter from our mortgage company uh, that early in January of the following year saying we owed $7,000 to our property tax, and we had 30 days to pay them. And 7000 bucks. Uh, was a lot of money, still is a lot of money for many of us, and I didn't know how I was going to come up with 7,000 bucks. We thought we were going to sell a car, we're going to, who knows what we were going to do, and uh, I had, for whatever reason that year, I ended up, well, I know the reason God had lined that up before I even saw it, but I ended up doing my taxes early that year, and what do you know, we get our tax refund back, and it's almost to the dollar of what we needed to pay our uh, mortgage company back. Amen. Absolutely, and I hear stories like this all the time, and I remember after I lifted my jaw off the floor and, and just thanked God for his faithfulness, I remember Kayla saying, God is good. Amen. I remember saying, Kayla saying, God is good. And at the same time, we had been praying over our uh, close friends in California, had a niece and a nephew, and the nephew, you can go ahead and put the picture on the screen, his name is Archer. 
Archer uh, was diagnosed with leukemia at, at 10 months old. I want to read to you what this child went through. He was diagnosed with leukemia at 10 months. He went through hormone therapy, lumbar punctures, immunotherapy, blood transfusions, chemotherapy. The cancer was mostly in his bone marrow, and then it moved to his brain. And the cancer cells that was forming in his brain was so much pressure behind his optic nerve that it was pushing one of his eyes out of his head. This kid is two years old. At two, he developed a highly resistant bacterial infection of his brain. And he actually beat that through some, um, some antibiotics, but that developed a fungal infection in his nose, which they had to have surgery on. The medications were so hard on his body that he had to go on a ventilator. And this past June, at two years old, two years old his, his organs gave up, and he went to be with Jesus. And I... I I remember praying for this boy. I don't remember saying God was good then. This poor human went through stuff that I'll never dream of. I don't think that's fair. I don't know why God planned it that way. I don't know why. And I remember struggling with that process. One minute I'm saying God is good and the next minute a two-year-old is going through hell and goes to be with Jesus. Pastor Dan... You know, for as many, for as many stories as, as Kayla's and I's stories, when we say God is good, there's just as many not-so-good stories like Archer. Pastor Dan here has a quote that I heard this week that uh, I thought was so applicable to what we're talking about today. He says this, If we can wrap our mind fully around our Creator God, He must not be much of a God. If we can wrap our head, our mind fully around a Creator God, He must not be that much of a God. And what that, what I think what he means by that is God's purpose is so much bigger than what we can see, like I had mentioned. God has a plan much bigger than I saw. I see Archer at two dying young, and not, I'm not understanding why, but God's purpose and plan is much bigger than that. Those two questions that Scott had um, asked earlier was, God, do I trust in your goodness? Do I believe you desire to bless me? I want you to continue to, to think through that. Some of you might be like, absolutely, I do. Others, like Scott had said, there might be in here. I was like, I'm not sure. I don't know. I think we can go back to the Bible and Joseph's story in Genesis where we can see God's goodness, but it took a while to play out in, in Joseph's story. If you don't know it, I'm going to reiterate it. I'm going to, it's a, it starts in chapter 36 of Genesis and it goes to chapter 50. So it's, it spans a while. I'm going to paraphrase his story, but I want, to, I want you to hear what he had to go through before God's goodness played out. Joseph was one of 12 sons to Jacob. He was the youngest son, and he was born of Jacob's old age, so Jacob loved him the most. And Joseph's brothers didn't like him that much because of it. Joseph was close with God. God loved Joseph and gave Joseph the ability to have dreams and later interpret dreams later in his life. So Joseph had a dream at, when he was a teenager that his brothers would bow down, to him, bow down to him someday. Now, of course, his brothers didn't like him a lot right at that point because he was most loved. Now he's telling them that they're going to bow down to him. They hated Joseph. They hated Joseph. So they decide they're going to kill him. They're going to kill him. So they come up with this plan. They're going to lure him out into a field. They're going to take his coat. Oh, I meant to say that uh, Jacob's dad gave him a special coat. It was a multicolored coat. So they ended up ripping part of his coat. They ripped his coat off of him, threw him in a pit. They lured him out in a the field. They threw him in a pit. This is, I'm going to time out here for a second. Scripture says that his brothers 
threw him in a pit, and then stopped to have lunch. <laughs> I just think, like, I, I think it's hilarious that it's in there. I think it's the epitome of men. Like, we're in the middle of something hard. We've got to go do this. They're ready to murder their brother, and they've got to stop and get lunch. I just think it's hilarious that it's in there. But anyways, maybe it's only me that thinks that's funny. I just die every time I read it. So anyways, they're eating lunch, and then Reuben, one of the brothers, says, hold off. Maybe we shouldn't kill him. Maybe we shouldn't kill Joseph. So long story short, they ended up trading, selling Joseph to some traders called the Ishmaelites, like a piece of meat. They sold him. He goes with the Ishmaelites. Then the Ishmaelites sell him to Potiphar in Egypt. So he was in the land of Canaan. He goes all the way to Egypt. He's sold to Potiphar, who was an officer of the Pharaoh at the time. Scripture says that Joseph was, uh, that God brought favor in, on Joseph's life, even in the midst of his toils. So in Potiphar's house, he was given lots of responsibility. Potiphar trusted Joseph. He loved Joseph. So Joseph was responsible for all the slaves in the house and making sure everything was in order. Scripture also says that Joseph was um, attractive in form and in nature. So obviously jo Potiphar's wife comes on to him and, say, and Scripture says that Potiphar's wife asks him to lay with her. He says no. He denies it. A little later, she decides to ask again where she asked him to lay with him, and he denies it. And he then, she then screams. She has this whole plan set in place. She screams, and he runs away. He ends up, uh, I believe it was part of his shawl, was that it? He, that he, he left while he ran away. So she grabs it, brings it to her husband, and says, look at Joseph. He tried to, he tried to uh, come on to me. He wants uh, to do all these things. Potiphar was, uh, of course, upset. So what does Potiphar do? He throws him in prison. So hold on a second. So Joseph is hated by his brothers, thrown into a pit, then traded to slavery, then traded to another house for, into slavery, then accused of, uh, of adultery, then thrown into prison. I would say life isn't great for Joseph at this point. And then, so he's in prison. He's there. And it, Scripture says that he rose to power within prison, which I think is kind of crazy. He ended up being in charge of prisoners as a prisoner, which is kind of mind-boggling. But he, God gave him favor in prison. And at the time when he was in prison, the pharaoh of the, uh, at the time in Egypt had a baker and a cupbearer that were thrown in prison for some things that they were doing wrong. So they were in prison with Joseph. They had some dreams. And Joseph ended up interpreting those dreams for them. They remembered that. Just keep that in mind. So then they, they ended up being released from prison. They go back to Pharaoh. And now Pharaoh is having these dreams that he cannot, for the life of him, understand what they mean. So the cupbearer and the baker remember that Joseph is in prison and has this skill, that has this, this authority that God's given him. So Pharaoh calls Joseph out of prison to go and interpret these dreams. These dreams, long story short, the dreams were there's going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. Many of you have heard this story. Pharaoh believes that God is using Joseph to speak to him, believes that God is in Joseph. So Joseph goes from a prisoner to a governor, essentially, of Egypt. He goes from, the number, from a prisoner to the number two in command. He gets a signet ring from Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says in Scripture that no one will be above you except myself. So now Joseph is in charge of the land of Egypt. The seven years of plenty happen. He's stocking up on food ready for the famine to happen. The famine then happens. People are coming to him, buying food. His brothers travel from Canaan. They're, they need food for their family. Their brothers travel from Canaan to Egypt, go to Joseph. Now, this is where the story gets good. Joseph recognizes them right away. He knows exactly who these brothers are, these men are. These men have no idea that that's Joseph. No idea. 
So what does Joseph do? Like what any other good brother is going to do? He messes with him. He messes with him. He, uh, he, makes them, he makes them squirm for a little while. You can read through it in Scripture. They, he makes them think that they're in trouble and they have to go back and do all these things. But Scripture says that in the midst of him messing with his brothers, Joseph goes in other rooms and weeps. He weeps for his brothers. He weeps for this, this whole situation that he's going through. And then he eventually reveals himself to his brothers and brings tons of grace on his family and his brothers. He gets his dad. They, they end up getting this, his dad from Canaan and bring him to Egypt and they settle there. I want you to hear some of the things that Joseph says to his brothers. He says, and now do not be, this is Genesis 45.5. It says this, and now do not be dis, distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. Genesis 50.20 says this, as for you, this is Joseph talking to his brothers, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many should be kept alive as you are today. I had this thought this week and when I was kind of going through this, my thought was God doesn't call something good based on how it makes us feel when we're going through it. Scott had mentioned this kind of earlier. God calls it good when it serves God's purpose when it serves God's purpose. Many times we have to experience darkness, pain and hurt and trials and that's, that's, that's what it works. That's how it works sometimes. And this is my second favorite verse. I'll get to my first favorite verse in, in a minute. But in Genesis, when all of this has gone on, Joseph has a, one of his sons, Ephraim. And this is what he says when Ephraim is born. This is Genesis 41:52. He says, for God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. For God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. How many of you have been made fruitful in the land of your affliction? Anybody? That's right. My wife was made fruitful in the land of her affliction. When we got married, we both were, but specifically Kayla. We've been, we're going to be married for 10 years in June. And um, about three months into our marriage, Kayla came. Her health journey is incredible. It's insane. It's hard. Uh, but it ended up being good what's happening now, and she's helping tons of people because of it. But three months in, she had to quit her job, had to quit school. We saw doctors all over the place. She had lots of health problems, and she had doctors telling us uh, that we would never have kids, never have kids. And that just wrecked her. That was one of her life's goals was to be a mom. And uh, you can go ahead and put that picture on the screen. That's what God had to say about that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's my son Elijah and Molly. And Melody, and in the midst of that, we were made fruitful in that affliction. It took a while. It took a while. It took pain. It took lots of sleepless nights and lots of prayer, lots of tears. But God saw it through, saw the goodness. How many of you now are currently in a... You don't have to answer this one. How many of you now are in a land of affliction? How many now are in a land of affliction? We serve a big picture God who has a big plan. To close up Joseph's story, Genesis 50, 22 through 23 says this. This is my favorite. So Joseph remained in Egypt. He and his father's house, Joseph lived to be 110 years. And Joseph saw Ephraim's children to the third generation. That's his son's children to the third generation. He also saw Maker, the son of Manasseh, were counted his own. Joseph's grandbabies were sitting on his knees in the land of his suffering. Yeah. I think God is pretty good. Yeah. It took some time, but God is good. 
Joseph's grandbabies were sitting on his knees in the same land of his suffering. I don't know why Archer went through what he went through. I don't know. I, I've seen some fruit of it. His, his family were, were solid believers. And I think there's some, some molding happening there. But I don't know for sure. I don't know exactly why. God has a plan and I may never know. I don't know why cancer kills some and, and not others. I don't know why miscarriages happen or why there's hundreds of thousands of children in foster care alone. Why we have bad things happen to us, financial ruin and businesses failing, marriages failing, depression, suicide, war, addiction. I know we're an imperfect people, but we are loved by a perfect and good God who has a big purpose. Psalm 46 says this, God is our refuge and our strength a present help in times of trouble, therefore we will not fear. Charles Spurgeon says this about that psalm. He says that God is good, not because he causes things that seem or feel good to happen in our lives, but because in the midst of the storm, God comes closer to us than the storm could ever be. Amen to that. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire. In the darkest night, you are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I've lived in the goodness of God. All my life, you have been faithful. And all my life, you've been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. That song came out a couple years ago. Goodness of God, we sing it here. Kalena and the band, is gonna, we're going to sing that together in a moment. And uh, In my worship-leading career, that, there's songs that come out that just that are just it, and that song for me was one of them. Um, it took me a while to lead that song. It, it took me a while to grasp what that meant, and Scott and I were talking this, this week in his office. Uh, I was telling him that it took me a while. It's like, how do I lead people in a song that I sometimes struggle with understanding? Um, and Scott, in his wisdom, said, I, don't, I think that's okay. We can sing songs. You might sing that song in a minute and be like, God is good and I believe it. And you might be singing that song thinking, I know God is good. I want to believe God is good. He needs to show it to me. And we're going to sing that song in a moment. But do you trust? God, do I trust you in your goodness? Do I believe you desire to bless me? I'll tell you one thing. I, I, I know for a fact God desires to bless us. He desires uh, for good to happen to us. I'm a father of three kids. I don't want anything bad to happen to my kids. And scripture tells us that the Father loves us more than we will ever understand. So if I love my kids and I don't want anything bad to happen, and we're told that the Father loves us even more than that, I know for a fact he doesn't want to see bad happen to us. He wants to see good. He wants to see his purpose happen. As Scott had said, we're going to sing and worship together. And if you're going through a tough time and struggling to see God's goodness in the midst of your affliction, in the midst of your pain, I encourage you to come and worship. We're going to worship in a minute. We're going to sing some songs. We're going to sing good uh, the goodness of God and then great is thy faithfulness together. And if you want to come forward, you can. If you want to sit, you can, you can stand if you'd like. But before we sing, I want to read to you this section of verses. But I'd like you to close your eyes as I, sing, as I read this over you and we're going to pray together. This is Romans 8, 26, 28 through 28. And this is the message version of it. And I think it's amazing how it's written. So if you'd close your eyes and listen to this. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside us, helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, 
it doesn't matter. He does our praying in us and for us, making our prayers out of our worldless sighs and our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves. He knows our pregnant condition and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God has worked into something good. Father, I thank you for your goodness. Lord, I thank you for your sovereignty. Thank you for love on us, God. Lord, I thank you for creating us in a way that we can question the things that we see, God, that we can question your purpose. But God, we know that your purpose is beyond our understanding and you've created that way for a reason. Lord, I pray, Lord, this morning as we worship you as your children, God, whether we come from a position of knowing your goodness is, is always gonna be there or if we're in affliction, Lord, and we're confused or we're wanting or not sure, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you be worshiped this morning, that it be a sweet song to your ear as your children sing to you, many of whom are in pain, God. We thank you, God, for your goodness and your love and your mercy on us every day. We thank you for dying on the cross for us, Jesus. We love you, Jesus, we need you. We can't live without you. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full-service replays, visit our media page on hcfburnett.org and follow us on social media. God bless and have a great week.